guys. Welcome back to Gaming Trend Podcast. This is your host, Erica. And this is the very talented and very sleepy John. <laughs> I took like three naps today, so I'm not even going to judge you this time around. <laughs> wow. It's like a big hug right there. <laughs> I've been stuck at work in the IRL job. Ugh. <laughs> I, I honestly feel for people, especially essential workers, that have to stay in one place, like in a closed off place, and interact with people. Uh, I can interact with people if I choose. <laughs> I go to many places a day, and I don't work weekends. So I'm so glad. I'm so lucky to have a job like that. And I'm sorry for you. Uh, things I never thought I would say during this whole 2020 year. One is, well, where's my mask? I need to go to the bank. And the other one, I am so tired of being essential. <laughs> Well, on the plus side, I think I can take off a whole month now and get paid for it. <laughs> That's great. So this week, we are going to be talking about microtransactions. Yay! Yay! The stuff that makes the gaming world go, Ugh. Let's go ahead and get into Game On. Game On! <laughs> uh, so where did microtransactions even come from? The first microtransaction sold by a major publisher was in 2006 when Bethsaida sold horse armor and The Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion for $2.50. It was made as an experiment to test the market's reactions to DLCs. Uh, I did not know that. I would think that there would be stuff way before 2006. Um, I mean microtransactions probably existed before then. They were just called something else. I remember my mother, she was obsessed with Farmville. Do you remember that? Like on Facebook and stuff like that? We're going the way back machine with <laughs> Sherman on this one. <laughs> and I'm already old. <laughs> she would spend hundreds of dollars on Farmville, just playing a game, trying to get those, you know, you wasted your life, so you have to buy another life bar. Insane. Insane. I, I remember hearing stories of that when I was out in the job and the people were coming in, the, like, all upset about their kids. And, of course, me having to ask, like, why? What did they do? They got a hold of my credit card and bought Farmville. They bought fake animals and fake tools for hundreds of dollars. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day, that's what our microtransactions were. And for a lot of mobile gaming and computer games, like we just mentioned, that's how they work. But game subscribers, game developers, they've come up with niftier ways to get that money. Let's talk about subscription services now. Oh, yes. The wonderful PlayStation Now, Nintendo Switch Online, and Microsoft's Xbox Game Pass. These wonderful things are so fun because you can't do multiplayer unless you pay them. Both the Game Pass and PlayStation Now subscription services, in exchange for a flat monthly fee, gives you access to a library of hundreds of games. However, you can only own the games as long as you keep paying them money. So we do have Xbox Live, where you pay monthly or you pay yearly service fee, and you get games that you can freely download and you can keep those. But Xbox came out with a nifty service called Game Pass, where in fact, if you do stop playing, you do lose those games. Like what PlayStation did in the beginning, which was called PlayStation Plus. I have eight games on my PlayStation 3 that whenever I quit playing for Plus... Yeah, I can't access them. I can't do anything with them. They're just taking up space in my hard drive. Yeah. Oh, 
I mean, it's it's a great moneymaker. I think my favorite so far, I mean, I have one for my PlayStation. I don't have one for my Xbox just because I don't play as much as my Xbox anymore. I do have it for my Nintendo because I have to. I have to have it on my Nintendo. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, it's a great moneymaker for those game services. Oh, for me, it's just like, hmm, after I bought the game for 60 I can either buy the game for $60 and keep it or spend... $25 a month. Yeah. And it's like, huh, after two months, I should already have to be able to own the game. I don't really get the whole Game Pass thing. Um, I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> but with Game Pass, you can download many games at a time. I don't think they have a limit, so that might be it as well. It's kind of funny how the microtransactions have gone out of the virtual world and into the physical realm. I give you the Amiibo Animal Crossing cards. So what's crazy about these is that most of them cost, what, you want to say around 13 12 bucks, sometimes 10 on a lucky day. Some of these have increased. You can find some Amiibos for hundreds of dollars, some Animal Crossing cards for multiple hundreds of dollars. It's insane. I know a friend, uh, he had a whole collector book of Animal Crossing cards, Amiibos. I mean, hundreds of pages. Uh, he was an avid collector. With the Animal Crossing cards, you'd buy them in packs. And it was a mystery grab bag. And the packs are only five bucks each. But when you're buying like 20 packs, you know, it adds up. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like uh, the character Coco. If you find that card, you can actually sell that thing for 42 to $74. Yeah. Like, it, this is insane. They have taken what I grew up with, with baseball <laughs> cards and all of that. And yeah, it's now a paper Amiibo. But what's what's interesting about Amiibos in general is that they're multi-purpose. Yes, they have in-game value, but at the same time, there's a lot of Amiibo collectors that don't even use it for in-game purposes. They just collect it because they're mini figurines and much cheaper than actual figurines, as we both know. God, yes. <laughs> I actually got a friend of mine who used to work at Game Over Video Games in, in the Galleria. Oh, he collected these things like crazy, but he also used them for his there's Wii U, because if you do Super Smash Brothers on the Wii U, you can, all those characters, they all have some special ability or something to put in. And Well, me, I have like five. <laughs> because, of course, I have the Zelda one. I have Link, Child Link, uh, 8-Bit Mario, and Roselia? That just gave me the character. That's all it did. The others right. just gave me abilities or extra maps. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, the only one that I have is the Link from Link's Awakening, just because it looked like a glass figurine, and it's the most unique Zelda character, or amiibo character in general, that I've ever seen. All the other ones, they look like regular mini figurines, so I had to get that one. The other ones that I have are Mario Collector ones, like the Mario 30th Anniversary pixels, stuff like that, but they're just for display. <laughs> I remember going when they were really popular in the beginning, and they're like, "Go, go to a convention." And they're like, "Hey, they have Amiibo. Hey, that's what I'm looking for." Like, well, do you want the first gen one, or do you want the set, the reprint, or the reproduction of it? Like, there's a difference. They all look the freaking the same. Just one has Japanese writing, and one that says English. 
They still sell them at conventions. They're still very prevalent. Just, I guess, a niche community in general. Um, our next game that I want to talk about that I personally play is Plants vs. Zombies. It is a very hard game <laughs> to play if you don't have Xbox Live. What Microsoft and other companies have been doing is they're making it almost necessary to have these subscription passes. Otherwise, you don't get to play the whole game or you don't get certain areas unlocked. Yeah, I played it before a couple of times and actually while doing research for this show this episode there is a flash version of plants versus zombies i wouldn't be surprised the plants versus zombies one and two the ones for the xbox the ones that recently came out garden warfare amazing video game they've revolutionized the classic plants versus zombies that we've played on our phones or you know computers the 3d the garden warfare they're in actual worlds where you go and venture out, you know, like Halo and other other first person shooting games. What Plants vs. Zombies has also done is microtransactions or DLCs where you have to pay for extra characters or for mystery grab bags. Why can't they just give us the whole game at once? That it, that would be so wonderful. I love how people complain about DLCs, but then like how Final Fantasy VII, it's going to come out in like four different games. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to pay $60 each time another part of the game comes out. I'm like, why are you complaining about DLCs and breath? Like, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm still complaining. complaining. I'm not getting it. <laughs> I No, I, I have always been 100% up. I bought a PS4, straight up, bought a PS4 for Final Fantasy VII. Okay, I bought Final Fantasy VII before I got the PlayStation. They all came in the same week. I was happy. I will buy... Anything that's anything that has Final Fantasy VII on it, I will. I'm a fanboy. I will totally lick it up. I will pay. I. It's they know who their fans are, and it's people like me. <laughs> oh, I can't really say much because I bought I bought systems just to play Zelda. Yeah, I'm totally 100 honest. I have bought systems just to play one game, and then the system just sits there. So. But that's what I get for having adult money. So it's great. <laughs> and we can buy things that we want now instead of <laughs> things that we need. Adult money. <laughs> so Animal Crossing is another great game out there. It was one of the major games that came out for the Switch. A great game that you can't really get tired of. I mean, thousands of hours spent just on remodeling an island. Nintendo Pass, you have to buy it to use the online capability of traveling to friends' islands. I didn't even realize you had to have the online pass because as soon as it came out, I bought it. I was like, okay, man, because with the Nintendo online pass for the Switch, you can get a bunch of retro Super Nintendo and Nintendo video games, which that's awesome. Oh, don't tempt me with it now. Now I really have to get a Switch now. You have to get a Switch. Like, no joke. Get a Switch. It's awesome. Do it. Yeah, I'm not getting the main. I'm not getting the mini one no i'm gonna get the original where the do- where the sides the docking come off. system right i i have the docking system i love the docking system uh my fiance he has the mini i forget what they call it but he has the mini and let me tell you it is like 10 times lighter than the docking system i'll take the docking systems guy take the handles off and i can pl- have here you play this <laughs> and we'll play a battle game you know stuff it like is- that Yes, it is like $100 cheaper. Uh, it's a Switch Lite. 
The Switch Lite is $100 cheaper. If if you just want to play video games, Switch Lite is awesome, whatever. Me, sometimes I'm lazy. I don't want to hold this heavy thing in my hand, and I just want to watch it on the TV. So it just depends on what kind of gamer you are. Are you looking for the mode of portability aspect of it, or are you actually looking for, like, on the TV kind of aspect? It's a, th- it's a DS. That's pretty much what it is. It's a <laughs> it's DS an, okay, on steroids. It's amazing graphics, so don't... <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Because I keep looking at it, and it's like, I want to play the new Zelda game on it. But instead, what do I have? I have it for the Wii U, which was the hybrid between the two. And it's not really portable, because once you get about 40 feet away, <laughs> it loses signal. Like, yes! That's what I want, to be tethered! And being tethered to things, it's always fun, too, whenever you have loot boxes that have DLCs in them. Loot boxes, price crates, downloadable content, expansions, and microtransactions. And if you don't regularly play video games, chances are you've seen one of these terms pop up in the news in the past month. While each is a method for earning money from games after the title has been released and sold to customers, the approach each system takes to get that sweet, sweet post-purchase cash varies wildly. The complexities of these systems are also what can lead to everything from content, some would argue mildly addictive players, to raging public diatribes on the evils of a publisher that eventually capture the notice of lawmakers. Some of these DLCs are amazing. What I personally like to do is if Christmas or birthday is coming around, I'll buy a video game or I'll ask friends to go in on a video game. And then I'll ask another friend to get me the DLC for that video game. I've done that a couple times. Fallout 4 is a great example of a video game where that DLC totally 100% great buy and investment. I wouldn't know. I don't play that game. I've borrowed it. Okay. Create my little, essentially, compound. Yeah. And that was about it. It's a great game. Oh, it's a great game. It's just, I got tired of building it, so I went back to Sims and just started torturing all my my Sim people in the town. Did you not play Quest? Like, join? I I tried, but one thing I did find in there was um, how complex a lot of these people did, especially with all the new DLC content that came out. Yeah. Um, Some guy made traps for the other players one of them was he yeah, they're like here for come in and take a look at the whatever creature he had in there well you go through the door he locked the door behind you hop up on top and watch you get chased by one of the big rank rancor looking characters in there i got jumped up to and looked like yeah this is kind of cool he, oh he's getting slaughtered oh that's nice and then I got knocked in. It's like, okay, I'm not liking this anymore. <laughs> Fallout 4 is a great game. The DLCs where they extended maps and gave you new quests. It, it was great. Uh, there's many video games like that. I, I just think it depends on what you're getting. I think it was a great thing that they started uh, just for the fact that they can create a video game. And then they're like, hey, people want more of this, Right. People want this to be changed. And with this DLC, with these microtransactions, you can change a whole video game after it's already been made. So it's kind of whimsical in a sense. Other side of the coin on that, because apparently with that, it's also gathering attention of U.S. and European lawmakers on whether loot loot box DLCs and stuff like that should be considered gambling. Like, Belgium's gambling authority says it's gambling. UK's gambling authority says it isn't gambling. 
and China and Japan already regulate loot boxes as a form of gambling, and Australia is considered is considering them as gambling as well. So with loot boxes, stuff like that, I really believe it's aimed towards kids. I really do because I don't know how many times like I've heard kids that are on a mobile game and they're like, "Hey, it's only two dollars for this DLC," and I'm like. Bro, no, you're not putting real money into this. <laughs> I'm like, you can do that when you have a job. I'm not giving you real money for this game. <laughs> I mean, but it's like that. I have friends. I personally have a friend that has spent thousands, thousands of dollars on mobile video games, microtransactions, and it's absolutely ludicrous. And it is an addiction. They're playing uh. this game and then they're like, oh, well, you have to do this or you ran out energy so you can buy this energy pack for 50 cents or a dollar. And you're like, okay, whatever, a dollar, right? And then it just adds up. And then when your monthly bill comes in, it's like $400. It's just way too much on a lot of those things altogether. It's like, because granted, like, remember when Pokemon Go came out? Uh, yeah, there, there's microtransactions in that. <laughs> uh, especially with, um, like, oh, you already caught so many Pokemon. You ran out of space. Here, give us $5, and we'll give you all these coins so you can buy extra space and all that stuff. And, yeah, I have bought a bunch of those things, but you know what? I found a loophole where I don't have to use real money. If you have an Android phone, there's a little app that's called Google Rewards. So you're walking around your phone. It's pretty much like, hey, you're here, you're here, you're here. You take surveys. Hey, you were at this place. Did you, did you pay with a credit card? Did you pay with cash? And you're like, credit card. Like, cool. How did you rate it? Uh, four out of five. Hey, you just got 30 cents. So yeah, do that enough times. Yeah, you can buy all the expansions for that game all you want. That's pretty interesting. I've never heard of that. That's a great life hack. Oh, yeah. did the same thing with uh, when Mario Run came out for Nintendo. Oh, gosh, that seems like forever ago, yeah? Oh, yeah, that was like 10 bucks. I just kept taking surveys like crazy, walking <laughs> walking the neighborhood, walk, just driving all around town. Like, I'm doing Pokemon Go, and I'm like, hey, survey time. Boop, boop. Hey, you're at $10. Sweet, I'm buying this game. <laughs> <laughs> Still, with all of these DLCs, it really does make you wonder what will tell you to shut up and take my money. Shut up and take my money. And the first thing on our list here is on Kickstarter. Of course. And if you are into electric guitars, I think you'd like this one. It is a modular, collapsible, all-in-one electric guitar. So you can build this thing like, pretty much like Legos to any style you want. And I don't play guitar. Well, I tried, and I still have it. have mine. But this one's actually pretty good, actually, with the different mods you can do and everything else with it to Get the slight base package that's 30% off of what they want to do as retail, $1,834. Yes. So this thing is actually pretty cool. They have a goal of 118000 roughly. They're at about 60000 25 days to go. It's a collapsible guitar uh, where the two sides and the neck collapse, and they're able to fit in a to-go bag. It's a full-scale guitar, which is actually pretty interesting. It is an electric guitar because i could not imagine them trying to build an acoustic guitar that's collapsible oh you need a lot of o-rings for that thing right <laughs> <laughs> there are some different kinds of things this is choose your picks because you can easily remove the strings why not directly access your picks to load and configure before you play uh, so there is a slot where you can change you can put your picks in there uh, portability the hardware um, you can choose the effects 
which is a low gain effect or a high gain effect, which is great. So you can buy multiple sides to make it different sounding. Oh, uh, it's still it's so amazing how they built this thing. Even the neck is made out of maple and it's still collapsible as well. This thing is built to last. I don't know how long it would survive against a Gibson from like 1978. <laughs> right. Yeah. <but laughs> I, I really want to see how this thing survives the test of time. It's interesting when you look at the actual insides of the wings, as they call it, and it's like hardware. It's completely, I mean, it's just like, it's it's awesome looking. So here's some of the specs of it. It has a six foot fret net cut. The scale length is 25.5 inches, 24 plus zero fret. They have markers, 35, 7, 9, 12, 15, 17, 19, 21. String gauge, 10 to 46. It has a C-shape neck profile. The fretboard radius is 9.5. The neck angle is 2.5. The connectivity is a USB-C charging port, which is actually very interesting. And a mini jack to headphone aux cable. Yeah, just very interesting. It it's weighs less than six pounds. Uh, with the case, it's like eight pounds. Uh, it's interesting for sure. Oh, yeah, and then the pickup types: you got single coil handbucker with neodymium magnets, I guess, to hold all the thing together. Uh, and the amp, you can hook this thing up with an amp with a quarter inch jack that's on it as well. And the amp power is twelve watts at minus eighty five decibels. It's pretty good. Like they like almost based this thing off a of Gibson almost. Yes, I can see. I, I can see in some ways, I suppose. <laughs> I know, but it's just one of those things. I don't play. I, I tried to play the guitar, and then I tore, tore up the back of my hand, so I, I don't anymore. But it's like I know Gibsons. <laughs> it doesn't visually look like a Gibson, uh, but I guess I could see where you're coming from. Another thing that I found this week is a board game. I was looking through Amazon for new games that have come out, and I found Death at a Dive Bar. It's described. As a murder at the local dive bar, a mysterious mess figure, a full town full of suspects, when owner Nick Webster falls from a cliff behind his roadside tavern, his death is ruled an accident, but one of his employees suspects foul play, and she needs your help to prove it. Players channel their inner detective to investigate their murder at the Old Scratch Tavern, uncover the motives of each suspect through ciphers, clues, and puzzles that progress the story to its thrilling conclusion. Realistic evidence and documents guide players through a challenging and immersive experience with tons of twists and turns. Do you have what it takes to hunt a killer? Uh, I've seen some of the stuff that was on, that's on the Amazon page for that. And like some of the stuff is actually like the details they put into all of this, the stuff to, or you are a detective. We had a little note, like trade off notepads with the handwritten notes from the detectives at the time. Um, you have the bar bottle opener from the, from the bar. And then just, <laughs> I don't know what to call that thing. It's just a bottle opener that the bartenders mm-hmm. have, which I've seen a couple of bartenders actually whip those things across the bar to hit somebody that was acting <laughs> a fool. Those are fun dive bars. <laughs> and then you have the, I don't know what you would call this, like the the witness sheets. They yes. have, then you have the witness sheets with their photo and where they worked, what they did, and all their statements on it. Like, this is actually pretty good looking. It goes in. It goes into a lot of details. Um, you have all the evidence there. You have eyewitnesses, timelines, everything. It's a one to five player board game, and it takes about an hour to finish, and it is only $29.99. Uh, it's number one in new releases in board games right now. From what I've seen, it's a one-time play, which kind of sucks. I mean, 30 bucks for an hour? I mean, that's fun play, right? <laughs> oh yeah, it's. I guess it's one of those things. Like, hey, we solved this. You pass it to your friend. Here, 
you f- solve it just without me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but now with the wonderful murder mystery that we've seen here with this game, like it is awesome. But there's still some things around the world that just make us scream, Nani? Nani? So the first thing you have for Nani is a gender reveal party causes worst fires ever. The whole West Coast is like on fire. <laughs> I mean, it is spreading like crazy. Oh my god, and this is a weird thing. It's like, here, we're gonna have a gender reveal party during brush fire season. So it happened in California. Um, Californians know when you're not supposed to start fires, right? It's that season. This person made an at-home reveal bomb. And oh. up, yeah, they made this at home. It wasn't something that they bought, that an actual like designer made. They tried to do it themselves, and it exploded. But do we know which color it was? Was it blue or pink? <laughs> uh, I think it was a girl. I love all the memes that I'm seeing, and it's like when you realize 40 years later that your gender reveal party like caused the worst fires ever. Like, oh, like can you imagine being that kid growing up and you're like, my parents destroyed ecosystems? <laughs> all right. So the other me, I said, here, 2020 is a gender reveal party. It's an A bomb going off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is absolutely crazy. Um, I I don't know how you have not heard of this. I mean, you must be living under a rock. There's pictures on Twitter, news articles, Facebook, where for days the sky was red, orange, and yellow because of the fires. And then the days after that, everything was covered in ash, making it look like it snowed the previous day. It was very intense, unsettling for a lot of people. There's people that get seasonal depressions. Uh, so like when the outsides change. So there's a lot of people who have become like depressed or anxious because of the color changes. So there's a lot of stuff going on. But one thing I did find though, uh, to help set up like burn areas so there's no fuel for the fire a lot of the like parks department and fire and the fire departments in the areas are actually using drones too where essentially fly it up there with a camera it has a can of kerosene and a lighter and they're going through and setting up burn paths so it's like okay we can direct the fires away from the houses yes and keep people safe like what a great thing for technology yeah it's great. It's amazing. Crazy thing that's been happening a lot lately. Hashtag free Britney. For any op baby, you know, anyone grew up in the 90s, Britney Spears has that kind of like place in our heart. Even if you're not into that music anymore, you know where you come from. You know, it's your roots. <laughs> Steph has been really crazy lately. Her dad, he took over conservationship. They said that she's mentally ill, that she doesn't have in control of her facilities. She needs someone to take over for her state. And it's just crazy because for a person that's mentally unstable, she's still doing shows. She's still recording. Um, her father's keeping this rigid, rigid schedule for her. But luckily, at the end of last month, it was revealed that her little sister, Jamie Spears, was revealed as her trustee director. And for the past, I want to say, month or so, Britney Spears has been trying to make her little sister the person that monitors her con- her conservationship. Can't trust your sister. Uh, you can't trust anyway. <laughs> Her dad, her dad has been pushing her since she was a little kid, as long as with her mother, and her dad is making money off of her. Uh, I honestly believe, from the videos I've seen, articles I've read, I do believe that Britney Spears is being drugged, overly drugged. I'm sure she might have some mental issues, because otherwise, you know, I mean, 
there has to be something, right? So I believe that she is going through something, but I do believe she's being overly medicated by her father to keep her in control. I've I've seen a lot of stories on that, and really, it doesn't surprise me, really, because if you think about it, it's like someone who was in charge of her when she was a kid, managing her finances and making all that all that money coming in, like a sane person would step aside and here you go. Here's all the stuff here. I'll show you how to manage it and everything else. Then there are the ones that are drunk with power. Right. So yeah, it doesn't it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of these stories are true. Mm-hmm. But at the same time seeing some of the videos coming out, it's like, huh how much stuff are you on right now? <laughs> right. No, I do believe she's heavily over-medicated, heavily medicated. Uh, I believe that there needs to be some kind of CPS investigation. Well, I guess that's not CPS, but it would be like adult, adult. protective services. Yeah, APS. Um, yeah, they need to be called in. They need to see what's going on. She looks rough in the video she's posting. And she needs some kind of help. And I'm glad that the hashtag is going around with Free Britney. Um, I'm glad that her sister's finally coming in. It's really sad that Britney really doesn't have any communication with her children, which is really sad. Um, I think that her dad's alienating her from a lot of people. That's one part of the story I did not know about the alienate being separated from her children. Because no mother should be separated from her kids. Wow, there's more of the story that I'm finding out now. (laughs) (laughs) Here comes the, I guess it would be the ultimate nanny in France. This man blew up his house while trying to swat a fly with an electric swatter. So how does that happen? (laughs) (laughs) I saw the headlines like, oh, I have to see this. (laughs) And start reading through uh, pretty much is the gentleman was in his 80s eating dinner on Friday evening when he became annoyed with a fly buzzing around him. So, like anyone else, he picked up his electric fly swatter and took aim. Well, he was unaware of a gas leak at his home. As soon as he swatted the fly and it made the electric spark, his house blew up. (laughs) That's crazy! How do you not smell that? I don't know, but it's like the blast also damaged a section of his roof and the house is currently uninhabitable. Somehow the man managed to escape the catastrophe with just a burn on his hand. Wow. And his family are repairing the house while he resides at a local campsite. And right now is unknown what happened to the fly. (laughs) That's insane. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. He only got away with, like, a burn on his hand. A house exploded. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's just a, a swat, single swat that caused an explosion and part of his kitchen to blow up. <laughs> That's so wow. funny. Uh like, how in America, like, if your house gets damaged or whatever, insurance usually puts you up in a hotel room, extended stay. I like how this old guy who lives by himself, they're like, oh, he's just at a campsite until the family fixes the house. And I'm like... It might not be like a campsite that we think of, where it's just a spot of land. It might just be something where it's like cottages or something else. It is France. They do mm. a, they do some stuff a little differently than what we think of when we see the hear the same word. Yeah, I think a campsite. I think of campsite. Yeah. Like, here, we're going to put a little pup tent. Here you go, Grandpa. You're fine. We'll be back in 10 days. <laughs> you're not no. staying with us. You're going to blow up our house. <laughs> <laughs> but think, but how bad would it be if, like, after all this happened, he's there. That fly followed him. <laughs> and is currently buzzing bitch. around. And he's scared to death to, take to, to kill this thing because it might blow oh up again. <laughs> That's insane. 
Well, guys, that is our episode for this week. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on all major podcatchers, which is like iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, all that good stuff, right? Uh, you can follow me at the Raging Erica on all social media. And you can follow me at Dogfin Studios on all social media and also my streaming, which is Mother Brain Gamer. If you want to send us any emails, questions, comments, whatever, just email us at podcast at gamingtrend.com. And remember to join our public Discord. It's super active. We all get together. Uh, lots of fun. But yes, join us on the Discord if you want to. I believe there is a section on there where any ideas for shows, drop us a line on there as well. And we'll see what we can do to get those episodes out that you want to hear so bad. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next week. Bye.